0: Hey there and welcome back. We're going to finish up a great conversation with Aubrey Ballard. In fact, we're going to go back a couple minutes in the conversation just to give you some context of where we are and how we're moving on from Acts chapter 13 to look at some other scriptures that will help us apply the idea of what it means to be disposed to eternal life. Let's jump right back into a conversation with Aubrey Ballard. Well, what's the other side of that contrast? If the Jews judged on themselves that they were unworthy of everlasting life, what's the contrast with the Gentiles?
1: Well, really, the passage is saying about them in verse 48, as many as tassoed to eternal life believe, or as many as tassoed to eternal life. So the question is, what does that mean? Now, we have different choices. You remember that word has different Um, possible translation several different definitions so in many of our translations it says something like as many as had been appointed or as many as were ordained but we need to look at some of the other possibilities and see which one completes the contrast the best right there was another word and that was disposed okay so if the Jews judged themselves unworthy of eternal life if they were indisposed to believing the truth right it seems reasonable that the Gentiles were disposed to eternal life. I like that. Another word that can be used is determined. Uh Now, it wasn't predetermined by God, but these people were determined to seek the truth and when they learned of it, to obey it unto eternal life. And so Tasso really, I believe, refers to their state of mind. Remember that word can mean to arrange in order. Uh They had been brought out of a state of mental confusion by hearing the truth and into a determination to obtain eternal life by obeying the gospel. They had gotten their mind right and right. their heart right, and they were ready to respond when they learned the truth. It's,
0: there are times when the Gentiles uh, would be proselytes of the Jewish faith, but they could never be fully Jewish in the way that um, several Jews of that time would permit them to be. It's almost like they were indisposed to be 100% of the old law or of that faith. And when they hear this good news, they get the choice. And they can turn to one another and say, hey, this good. This is for us now just as much as it is for them. We're partners in it. And so their choice is, I choose to be a part of it instead of uh, rejecting it the way that the old Jews did. Um, I'm wondering, or before, before I wonder, I guess I should say, I want to put this chart on the website on this podcast. So for those who are interested in it, maybe there's some technicalities here that we've— uh, used a lot of language and and jargon that that you'd like to actually look at yourself, go to the website where this podcast is listed on hereinsimplebible.com backslash podcast. It'll be on the episode Disposed to Eternal Life. And you'll find this T-chart, a contrast between the two states of mind, the Jews in verse 44, uh, 45 and 46, and the Gentiles in verse 48. So go there. And for you, Aubrey, the next question I have is, uh, do you have any other scriptures to help substantiate this Now, it speaks very powerfully in verse 45 through 48, but maybe there's other scriptures where "tasso" that word is used, the idea of being disposed or determined to uh, something that will help me better appreciate what's going on in Acts 13.
1: I think that's a a very important question to ask. If we're going to make assertions about words and their meaning, can we see them being used that way in other passages? And in this case, we have a wonderful passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse fifteen, and in the New King James version, um, Paul says, "I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus that it is the firstfruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints." Oh, okay. Literally, they had tassoed themselves. Right. Now, that's a that's a verse that'll preach right there. Talk about <laughs> um, devoting yourself to the work of the ministry and. The influence that that has its just a, a wonderful thing to do. But nobody reads that verse and says, well, they were pre-appointed by God right. before time to do the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. It's clear that they had devoted themselves to the idea of serving God. And I love what the, the King James Version says here. It says, they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Wow. That word normally has a negative connotation. Right. But anybody who has... Uh, been able to witness uh, midnight baptism, Mm -hmm. anybody who's been able to help lead someone to Christ, uh, all glory goes to God the Father. But they know what an addicting experience that is. When when you experience that and you realize that you've been a part of something that has eternal significance and and it's been worthwhile, it makes you want to spend all of your time doing that kind of thing, serving the Lord and serving his kingdom. So we all need to addict ourselves to the ministry of the saints.
0: I've used in casual conversation. I've never made this connection before to that King James version of things. they, They addicted themselves. But I've told people that Bible study, getting to study the Bible with others, is like a drug in that when I do it, I want to do it again. And that's really where the context ends because drugs do have a negative connotation. But when you study with someone and you get to sow the seed and you get to plant and you get to water, man, it it feels so good knowing that you're serving the Lord. And for those out there who um, feel nervous or are intimidated by it, the feelings that you get of devoting yourself to the ministry or addicting yourself to the ministry of the Lord is such a, a satisfying feeling. So what I'm taking away from 1 Corinthians 16 is a great passage to help me better appreciate the Acts 13 scripture. You know, they... First Corinthians 16 says they devoted themselves, they tassoed. So they're in charge of it. And so that means in Acts thirteen forty eight they were in charge of their disposition or of their tassoing to eternal life as well, right? What, so uh, maybe give me the, the translation that's going to fit the context the best.
1: Okay. So, yeah, to, to review what we've learned, just like the household of Stephanus devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, the Gentiles in Acts 13 had devoted themselves to the pursuit of truth and the acceptance of truth and when they heard it they believed it and they obeyed and so um, there's a really neat tool that we can use uh, called an interlinear you know Greek English New Testament and there's all different kinds out there right I'll be reading from Alfred Marshall's uh, interlinear uh, New American Standard and NIV parallel New Testament uh, in Greek and English but it gives us um, perhaps the most literal translation of the Acts 13 passage that you're going to find. I'll illustrate it this way. Um, J- Jonathan, I know you're a fluent Spanish speaker, and and I'm, I work with kids and, and adults every day that speak Spanish, but I <laughs> I can't speak Spanish very well. But I know that we um, seem like we're speaking backwards to them, and maybe they seem like they're speaking backwards to us. They'll uh-huh. say, for example, the the car green, and we say the green car. Right almost like they sound like they're talking like Yoda, you know? (laughs) Well, sometimes when you read an interlinear um, translation of the Bible, it's going to sound backwards like that. So be prepared for that in this translation. But what it is is the literal Greek text and underneath that, uh, the English words that match with each of the Greek words above. And so you can go back and and really get um, what the scholars get to look at. And when it's all put together in English, this passage says, and hearing the nations rejoiced and glorified the word of the Lord and believed as many as were having been disposed to eternal life. Mm -hmm. So without any Calvinistic bias introduced, having seen what the word means uh, in terms of Stephanus and his household, and then seeing that. Uh, the contrast in that passage lends right. itself to this. I think that we make a very strong case that these g- Gentiles were not pre-appointed by God for eternal life. Instead, they had the right attitude about the truth.
0: Okay, Aubrey, I want to be tassoed to eternal life, right? I I don't want to uh, be in the other group where I have judged myself unworthy of the gospel because i'm not being obedient to it or uh i'm blaspheming i want to be disposed to eternal life so maybe there's a mindset that's going on there let's talk for a little bit about that mindset and what what can i do when i hear the gospel to dispose myself to eternal life instead of uh casting judgment upon myself
1: well the book of james is one of the most um practical books and in chapter 1 and verse 19 it i think speaks to this idea uh let me read a, f- a few verses okay that i think help answer the question uh, point us in the right direction uh, he says so then my beloved brethren let each man be swift to hear slow to speak slow to wrath for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of god therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves now skip down to verse 25 because there he says he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this one will be blessed in what he does so there's several phrases there that, to me, paint a picture okay. of what it looks like when somebody is disposed to obeying God's will. They're swift to hear. Right. They receive it with meekness, and it becomes implanted, and they are a, a doer of the word. Yep. Um, later on, it says they look into the perfect law of liberty, and they continue in it, and they're a doer of the work.
0: I, I notice here there's some notes on that if you're disposed to something, you want it you embrace it, you obey it. Maybe we could break that down a little bit and encourage our audience to be disposed to eternal life.
1: Okay. Well, if if a person wants something, anything, typically they are willing to spend effort, uh, resources, time, energy. So I guess one of the questions we need to ask ourselves is how hard are we going after the knowledge of God's will? You know, a, a desire for truth will be reflected in the way we act, uh, how much time we spend in in diligent study. Um, I I think that today, Bible reading and Bible study and listening to gospel preaching and sermons has got to be more accessible than at any other time in history, any other place in the world with uh, this being the information age. And I want to encourage everybody to make use of those resources like this podcast and like Some of the website resources that our brethren have put out and you can literally be going down the road to work and uh listening to the bible being read aloud or sermon material or um good books about preaching and uh don't wait too long to do that Uh, Mm. young people uh, singles uh, young married couples that do not yet have children uh, one time, I heard a guy named Jonathan Edwards preach a sermon, and he said, "God gives you your youth to serve Him," and that phrase stuck with me. I thought about Ecclesiastes, you know, chapter twelve. Um, sometimes we we look to the future and we have these plans, and we think that eventually our lives are going to be arranged in such an order that we'll we'll one day have the time that we want to be engaged in the Lord's work. But it right. seems uh, to me, from my experience, that we just get busier and busier. And so you will perhaps never have the time freedom that you have in your youth. And so use that time to diligently study God's word. Um, you know, this next question is, is not meant as, as an indictment against anybody, but uh, hopefully it will help you reflect. Are you reading your Bible daily? Uh, we all want to be reading our Bible daily. We hear it in sermons, and every time I hear that, I think, man, I needed that. That's mm-hmm. right but i had to i have to look myself in in the mirror and say if you're not doing it then you apparently don't want it bad enough yet right um and you need to make that commitment right now because all of us are are at a crossroads um are we going to this day um give our best to the lord and, and continue in that or not and and one of the things i think people need to do just practically speaking is commit to a time and place someone said the uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And uh, that's another phrase that has stuck with me. We don't want to have a long list of good intentions. Instead, we want to have a list of uh, things that we can do to go right. closer to God and to serve him. And so come up with a time and place. Do, you, do we realize how much we need God's word? If so, we'll devote ourselves to daily study.
0: Well, Aubrey, when you look at that wanting, that craving, there, it's more than just wanting it. You know, we have to be able to embrace it, so to speak. And uh, what's going to be when somebody hears that? You know what? I do need to read better. I need I need to read more consistently. Um, what's the next step for them? I mean, how how are they going to move from that, Well, oh, I want it, to the
1: actually doing it? Do you have any
0: tips to offer on that?
1: Well... There's obviously more to it than just knowing it and applying it to someone else. Here I am sitting on this podcast telling everybody they need to study their Bibles. Right. And I need to take that to heart. Um, but we've got to be willing to change. If, if we're truly uh, searching for the will of God, then we're going to find things in His Word. It's, it's a sharp, two-edged sword that pierces even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it should change me. And my question has to be, am I willing to change? Well, how do I know the answer to that? Well, when was the last time that I heard something in a sermon or I read something or someone shared something with me and I realized I needed to make a change? Right. And I did it. We're always preaching about the people in the world that need to make a change, and they do. And people practicing error, they need to make a change, and they do. But God's people are supposed to be disciples of Jesus Christ, always becoming more and more like him. And so when was the last time you knew that you needed to make a change? What did you do in that moment? Did you change? We have to be people who have soft, multiple hearts. That's convicting because it's
0: easy. I think it's human nature, generation after generation, but to get comfortable with who you are and what you're doing. Um, I think about God's people in the Old Testament. I think about uh, those who were supposed to be shepherding the flock when Jesus was on the earth and uh, they were not doing their job well, they were kind of stuck in their rut. We have to want it. We have to embrace it and be willing to change, but we also uh, have to be willing to obey it. And if I could share a scripture, it's uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So, uh, to piggyback off of what you said, it seems like being disposed to eternal life means that I want and will change. I want and will obey, and it's not just going to be a theory. It's going to be a life commitment to Jesus. Aubrey, would you contrast those who are indisposed, meaning they're unwilling or they're opposed to eternal life? What what are the things that these people are not doing, or okay. doing, rather, I guess?
1: Well, uh, the picture that we read in James, the first chapter, um, includes a a picture of people who are indisposed, if you will. Verse 23 says that if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, Mm -hmm. he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. And... Unfortunately, this is a condition that seems to be all too common. I think these verses describe a man or a woman who is too busy, right? too indifferent, um, too preoccupied or, or uninterested just to really give uh, God's service the attention it deserves. It says that they hear the word, and uh, apparently they realize at some point that, that it applies to them. They're looking in the mirror for a moment, but they, they turn and they go away. And it, it brings to mind other images of, of the parable of the sower, of these people who like received the word, but then either the cares of life or the trials of life or uh, other things caused them to, to leave it. And in our society, uh, in our culture where everybody is so busy, we have filled our life with stuff and right. fun to the max, mm-hmm. where sometimes people... Uh, just don't seem to realize how desperately they need the Lord. Well,
0: Aubrey, we are running out of time, and so I'd like to ask you one final question, um, maybe for a person who is struggling with this message. Maybe they've wanted to commit for a while and they've never got around to do it, or maybe they've uh, looked at uh, the gospel in the past and, and they've not had a proper attitude about it, what would you say to somebody who's maybe struggled with this message and how would you uh, help them improve their life?
1: Well, the scriptures teach that they are written and recorded for our learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in particular, when the New Testament says that, it's talking about the Old Testament scriptures, but the, the New Testament is, is that way for us. We're supposed to be able to read uh, about these events. And learn things from uh, what's recorded and when you read this passage in Acts chapter 13 it paints uh, a very bleak picture about the eternal destiny of these people who are indisposed to eternal life right you know uh, earlier we mentioned the person who's too busy or too too preoccupied but there are some who just completely suppress the truth and unrighteousness uh, Romans chapter 1 and they're um, unwilling or, or disinclined or they're opposed to believing in God because they reject his authority these are self-willed people right um, but when you read about what happens to them it's a it's a terrible fate Paul said we turn away from you 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 aren't going to have eternal life and we turn to the Gentiles on the other hand you read about these Gentiles who had been living in a pagan world of darkness and when they heard the gospel for the first time it totally enlightened them and they were willing to leave a uh, their past uh, beliefs and practices and totally devote themselves to this new truth that they had found because they saw how valuable it was and i can just say that um we are praying for people who are in the middle of making that decision and our prayer is that your heart will be softened and that you will come face to face with the desperate need of your circumstance and that when you consider the love of god that he sent his own son into this world to die for you so that you can have a hope of eternal life, that you will see that that is wonderful, Mm -hmm. good news. The Bible says the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Friend, you could live the rest of your life living for yourself, and it will be a a meaningless existence when it's all over. But you can start today living for God, and you will have all the blessings in the heavenly places in Christ, and you'll have the wonderful, blessed hope of eternal life with God in heaven.
0: What a great place to end, because it's exactly how those Gentiles felt in Acts chapter 13. They rejoiced. You know, They had found the pearl of great price. They were willing to give up anything because they found Jesus. And that's what we want for everyone as well. Thank you for coming on the show again. Grateful to have an opportunity to have conversations with you instead of reading from a script together and not really getting to interact. Uh, I hope you'll come back, and I wish you all the best going forward. Uh, Lord willing, we'll talk to you soon.
1: Jonathan, I enjoyed it. Thank you. I'm thankful again to Aubrey for his
0: time in the studio with me, and I'm thankful to you for listening to the podcast and considering with us what the Bible has to say about being disposed to eternal life. What a great study, right? Well, as always, I'd like to plug the website and the resources that I have available for you. So if you haven't had the chance yet, please go to pureandsimplebible.com and you're going to find a bunch of study resources there, specifically workbooks and downloads for you to have effective Bible study with friends and family. So check it out whenever you have the time. And until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, we'll see you next week. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.